You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series on Ephesians. Thanks for joining me, Nathan Johnson, in an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let's dive into the lesson for the day. Welcome to Lesson 13 of the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the book of Ephesians. In our last study, we began to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, which reads, To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He graciously bestowed on us in the Beloved. Again, it is important to see this verse in light of the context. God is blessing us with every spiritual blessing, and every blessing that God gives us finds its fulfillment and focus in Jesus. So far, Paul has talked about the blessings that, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, that he has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we are to be holy and blameless before him, that we are adopted as children of God, and all of this was done in love according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, here at the end of this first blessing section, it's as if Paul himself is caught up in the marvelous reality of all that God has done. And I can just imagine him getting to this point, then jumping to his feet and declaring with excitement to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed on us and the beloved. For that, I think, is how it is to be read. As we mentioned last time, our whole lives should be under the praise of his glory. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And Paul tells us that every blessing in our life found in Jesus is for the purpose of declaring and praising his glory. Our lives are to reflect the life and the attitude and the heart and the nature of Jesus Christ. And this is not some transaction or obligation or duty that we perform. Praise is a lifestyle which spills out of intimacy and oneness with Jesus, the beloved. Well, let's take this one step further. Look at verse 6 again. Paul says that all these blessings are to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. Paul says that God's grace was graciously bestowed on us in Jesus, the beloved. Grace in this modern culture has has become a dumbed-down concept. See, it's been relegated to a mere hug from God. But biblically... Grace truly is amazing. As I already stated, our lives are to declare the praise of God. One of my favorite writers from Christian history was Major Ian Thomas, and he once talked about this idea that that when God made humanity back in the Garden of Eden, it was to be the visible representation of the invisible. So get this, here is God who is invisible, and yet he wants to make himself seen. So he made man to be a visible representation of the invisible God. That when creation looked at humanity, they were to know exactly what God, who is invisible, is like. And yet, here's man, he's sinned, and therefore we no longer represent the character, the heart, the mind, or the nature of God. So the invisible God, who makes a visible man to be a visible representation of the invisible, is no longer a picture of the invisible. But yet that was God's intent. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that even before God created the foundations of the world, before he uttered, let there be light, you were chosen in Christ to be just like himself, holy and blameless. 
that you and I are to look and act like Jesus did. But you realize that in sin, we have no chance. There is no means of salvation in our own strength or power. So while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Titus 2 verse 11 says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Christ dying upon the cross, which is our means of salvation, is the demonstration of God's grace. See, God's grace is not some mere hug. Yes, it includes forgiveness of sin, but get this, it's even more amazing. See, it's the fact that God's grace is the empowerment in our lives to keep from sinning. See, his grace not only brings salvation from sin that we've committed, but it is, his, it is his strength and it's his life within us via the Holy Spirit to live triumphant and to be free from sin itself. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, this side of heaven. What I am saying is that it is through the grace of God, his empowering grace, that enables us to live the life of a Christian as we ought. Jude tells us, for there are some men who secretly crept in who pervert the grace of God into immorality. What Jude is saying is that some people turn the grace of God into an excuse to live in sin. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.8 that it is by grace that we are saved and freed from sin. Grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is our excuse to walk in victory and triumph. It's what allows us to live as Christians. So what exactly is grace? Peter says that the grace of God is manifold. He writes in 1 Peter 4.10, As everyone has received a gift, even so serve one another with it, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold is the idea of numerous or various or many. It's really many folds. Think of a cloth. If you, if you, if you take a cloth and you scrunch it down, it has many folds. It's manifold. My good friend Eric Liddy explains the manifold grace of God this way. He says, grace is an action, a super heroic action, but it is more than an action. Grace is a power, an extreme power, but is more than a power. Grace is mercy, an extreme mercy, but is more than a mercy. Grace is a kindness, an unmerited kindness, but it is more than kindness. Grace is a virtue, an exemplary virtue, but it is more than a virtue. Grace is a historic event, an event that is central to all history, but it is more than a historic event. Grace is a gift, an unspeakable gift, but it is more than a gift. Grace is a work, a legal work of atonement, propitiation, justification, redemption, forgiveness, and adoption, but it is more than a legal work. Grace is a life, a quickening, transforming life, but it is not an impersonal life. Grace is more than an action, a power, a mercy, a kindness, a virtue, an event, a gift, or a legal work. Get this. Grace is a person. Grace is Jesus Christ, the loving action, the unstoppable power, the extreme mercy, the unmerited kindness, the exemplary virtue, the unspeakable gift, and the perfect rescuing work of God upon the cross, which is the historic event of all historic events. Grace is the abundant life of God made available in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is grace. You realize that that's true, then why couldn't we live as Christians? Why wouldn't we walk in victory and triumph and freedom? 
I would encourage you at some point to do an in-depth study on this idea of grace in scripture. And what you will discover is that the grace of God truly is amazing. Let me read you a short list that scripture says God's grace was given for. This is amazing. That God's grace was given that we might labor more abundantly, that we might have sufficiency in all things, that we may abound to every good work. It's for obedience to the faith. Grace is our power for witnessing of the resurrection of Jesus. Grace is given in order that we may lay foundations. Grace is for the preaching among the Gentiles. It's our means of help in time of need. It is whereby that we may serve God acceptably. See, grace makes us perfect. It establishes us. It strengthens us. It settles us. It saves us. And it enables others to believe in Jesus Christ. Wow, that truly is manifold. And yet you realize that just that list is merely the tip of the iceberg. No wonder when John Newton caught a glimpse of the manifold grace of God, he penned the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Look back at verse 6. Paul says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. God's grace was graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. Talking about Jesus. Again, Paul uses a relational term to talk about Jesus. God is not some distant, impersonal figure that we're, we're just merely supposed to obey and worship. He is intimate and close and full of love and mercy and grace. He is perfect righteousness and holiness, all the while being perfect love. And it is in this setting of intimacy and oneness and relationship that Paul says that God, God's grace was graciously bestowed. In Jesus, we experience God's grace. The term, interestingly, graciously bestowed, is only used two times in the New Testament. And it really is the verb form of the word grace. So in other words, God has graced us with his grace. Uh, the other time this word is used is in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, a young teenager, and is about to tell her that she's going to be pregnant and give birth to the Messiah. So Gabriel shows up and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. In other words, Gabriel says, Greetings, you who are highly favored or graced. That Mary was experiencing the manifold grace of God and having the opportunity to bring forth Jesus into the world. And interestingly, in a spiritual sense, isn't that what is happening with us? God has taken you and I, people who should not receive such an honor. And just like Mary, Christ has come within us so that he might be brought forth into the world. Again, we're, we're, we're talking spiritual, not physical. But what was happening in the life of Mary physically is a picture of what is to happen in our lives spiritually. And just as Mary was highly favored or graced, so too, according to Paul in Ephesians 1.6, we have been graced with the grace of God. That we have received his manifold grace, which he has graciously bestowed on us in Jesus. So get this flow. Every blessing finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And God's amazing manifold grace in Christ that has been graciously or graciously bestowed on you is found in him. No wonder the passage gives the tone that Paul, in talking about the incredible blessings that God has given us, jumps to his feet in exaltation, saying that 
All that he has talk, talked about in these first five verses is to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. Do you get excited in pondering God's amazing grace? Do you realize what God has saved you from? See, I am convinced that if we truly saw the ugliness of our sin and how self-centered and prideful and self-focused and wrapped up in ourselves and, and our desires and our lusts and our greed and our whatever, that, that if we would just turn and see his see his face and, and see all that he has done and the grace which he has graciously bestowed on us in Jesus, the beloved, if we would just see all that he has rescued us from, not only from the wasted life in this world, but, but also the rescue from hell for eternity, wouldn't that cause a skip in your step, a song in your heart, a tune upon your lips? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you just be able to, I mean, could you stop praising and worshiping him? See, why would you ever fear or worry? See, depression would not have a hold on you. See, we, wouldn't we just rejoice in the Lord always? Again, let me say rejoice. See, wouldn't Jesus be the focus of our every thought? Wouldn't our longing be to get so lost in intimacy and, and oneness with the one who has saved us? See, there would just be a tune in our lips and we would just be humming, Woo, I am saved. I am saved. His grace has brought salvation. See, like Paul... You, Hey, they could beat our backs and we could be shipwrecked and thrown into a dingy dungeon late at night. And yet we'd still sing of the wonder of the grace and the glory and the grandeur of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, if we caught sight of God's grace, we couldn't help but live lives to the praise of his glory. Wouldn't we? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Mm. Well, thanks for joining me for today's study. I hope that you get lost in the love and wonder and amazement of Jesus Christ and his manifold, marvelous grace. Next time, we're going to continue talking about the riches and the richness of God's grace found in verses 7 and 8. I would encourage you to study ahead and ponder the realities of the blessings we have in Jesus. And as a reminder, if you would like to see an outline of the study or read a commentary version of this passage, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians 13 for lesson number 13. And you can also check out all the previous studies in Ephesians by visiting deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ and his amazing grace. See you then. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus Christ, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you would like to view the video version of this study, you can do so at deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians.